Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here's this week's message. It is good to have everyone back. Um, I kind of enjoy the configuration we have in the summer when this is the middle of the room. <laughs> and that's where that first row is, is the, the back wall, and we can actually see each other on both sides. But I just want to let you know that, hey, guys over here, there are people on this side of the building. <laughs> I know you can't see them, but they are over there. Hey, guys, there's folks over here. So after service, you can kind of mingle together and, and get to know one another. And we're excited to have everybody back. I know there's some that are still coming. I just want to ask that you would continue to pray for Pastor Norman, whose father passed away last week, and the, the funeral will be on the 28th, and then he'll be flying back here on the 30th. So just pray for that family, if you would, as they're going through that loss. Open with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. I want to read verses 9 through 11. Last week we finished our summer series on the balanced Christian life or balanced Christian growth. And so for the next two weeks we're just going to share a couple of ideas of different things. And then the 6th of September we will start a new study on the book of Hebrews. Uh, now, when I tell you how long it goes, don't everybody leave because we will break it up in different groups, but it is a 30-week study on the book of Hebrews that Jesus is better. He's better than the Old Testament prophets. He has a better covenant. He's better than the angels. The bottom line is Jesus is better. Amen. So by the time we finish the book of Hebrews... You will know that you know that you know deep down in your knower that Jesus is better. Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 through 11. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and they wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. So I just want to share with you a few moments today on the topic of unbelieving disciples. Many times we are unbelieving disciples. See, the disciples did not believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Many times through the three, three and a half years that he was with them, especially at the end of his life, I counted more than 17 scriptures where Jesus told them, we're going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be crucified, but on the third day I will rise again. Here it is, the morning of the third day after the crucifixion, 
And a lady comes to them and says, I have seen him, he is risen. I think it's interesting that it was a lady that was the first witness of the resurrection. Why? Because the men were all too afraid to get out of the upper room. The first evangelist of the gospel of the resurrection of Christ was a lady. I just want to give you a few examples of where Jesus told them about the resurrection. Matthew 16, 21, For that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and to be raised the third day. Pretty straightforward. Matthew 17, 22 to 23. Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Another one from Matthew 20, 18 to 19. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. So these are three separate times in the book of Matthew that he tells them that he's going to die, but don't worry, in three days he will rise. And then from the book of John, John chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. So the Jews answered and said unto him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which the Lord had said. I like this passage in John. The one we first read in Mark, as soon as they heard it, they didn't believe it. But then later on, as they thought about the things that he had said, they believed his word and the scripture. And then the last scripture I want to give you is John 17, 18. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. See, they didn't take his life from him. He gave it freely for your and my salvation. See, even after spending three, three and a half years with Jesus, going with him, listening to him, ministering with him, being taught by him, on that one-on-one -on -one daily interaction with him, they still did not believe that he was risen 
from the dead. See, this was outside of their experience, and it was outside of their realm of expectation. This was counter to how they had been raised, different from what they had been taught, different from what they believed the Messiah would do. See, they thought the Messiah was going to come and destroy the Roman Empire and set up his kingdom immediately. They were looking for a conquering king, not a suffering savior. But before you get too hard on them, and before you start jumping down their throat for not believing, put yourself in their place. Somebody comes and tells you, oh, the guy that we just buried three days ago, uh, guess what? He's risen again. How would you react? And before you jump up too quick and say, oh, yeah, I would have faith to believe, really, would you? See, sometimes we doubt even the simple things. I know myself many times I have more faith in the power of Tylenol than in God being able to heal my headache. Come on now. So don't get too down on these disciples because sometimes we have trouble believing. Sometimes you and I are unbelieving disciples. But see, God wants us to believe his word. And he wants to be obedient to what he tells us. And to do that, we must be willing to step outside of our comfort zones, outside of our cultural bubbles, outside of our denominational umbrellas, and trust God that he is too wise to make a mistake, too powerful to fail, and he loves us too much to hurt us. Let me give you a few things that you need to believe as a child of God. Now, I'm not going to talk about belief in Jesus for salvation. I'm talking about after you've been saved, after you've accepted Christ as your Savior, these are a few things you need to believe. Number one, believe that God can help your unbelief. Mark chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out with tears and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is the story of the man who had a son that was deaf and dumb and he brought him to the disciples and they tried to cast the spirit out and they could not. Jesus comes down off the mountain and there's this big crowd gathered around and he says, what are you talking about? And the father says, oh, help my son. And Jesus simply says, if you believe, it can be done for you. And I love the answer 
of this father. He says, Lord, I believe, but please help my unbelief. I think every day we need to come to God with that prayer. Father, I believe in you, but please help me in my unbelief. Help me in those areas where I doubt or where I stumble. Because this is what happens if we have unbelief in our midst and in our life. Matthew 13, 58. Jesus goes back to his hometown. And he says, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You need to believe that God can help your unbelief. Another thing you need to believe as a, as a Christian is it is possible to do anything that God commands you to do. If we're going to walk in His Word and make a difference in our community and make a difference where we work or where we live, we have to believe that God is able to help us to do anything that He commands us. Philippians 4.13 is a very familiar scripture. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now Paul is talking in these verses just before this about being abounding with enough riches and money and things to, to be prosperous. And then he talked, I'm also content when I don't have anything. Paul says, I know how to be content when I abound. I know how to be content when I have nothing. In other words, he's saying in every circumstance, I can do whatever God calls me to do because he is with me. See, he could face the different stages in life through the strength of God. If you try to do it in your own strength, you will fail. I can give you firsthand testimony that that statement is true. Because I have tried to do things in my own strength and they were always failures. I've realized that if God has ever called me to do something, if I can do it in my own strength, it's normally not God. Because God needs us to rely upon Him to do what He has called us to do. If God tells you to forgive those who have hurt you, don't say it's too hard. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You can resist every temptation. Even that lonely piece of cake sitting on the counter that's crying out to you, eat me, eat me. And you walk by and you resist it. And then you hear it calling out again. So you go look at it to see if it, is it really calling me? You can resist that temptation, I guarantee if God tells you to love people, then you can love 
all people. Because God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Be honest with me. How many of you have people that you know that you would rather not have to love? <laughs> I see some hands shot up and some hands are like this and some people don't want you to see their hand. But if we're people, I think we all have somebody in our life that we would like to be like the, th the sons of thunder and say, Jesus, can't we just call lightning down from heaven and fire down from heaven and consume them? Is it okay if your pastor's just honest with you? Every now and then, I hear something bad about somebody and inside I rejoice. Now I know none of you do that, okay? That's not what God wants. When we hear that, we should be weeping. The Bible says when Saul fell and disobeyed God, that God came to the prophet Samuel and told him about the sin of Saul. And the Bible says that Samuel spent the night weeping and praying because of the sin of Saul. Too many times in the body of Christ when we hear that another believer has fallen, rather than spending the night weeping and praying, we spend the night tweeting and whatsapping. Did you hear? But we can do all things through Christ. The second thing we need, or third thing we need to believe, is that God can change any person and any circumstance. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Any person who comes to know Jesus as Savior has been changed. And there is no one on the face of this earth that is beyond the touch of God unless they keep resisting and keep resisting and keep resisting. Because Jesus came and he died for the entire world. He died for the sins of all. And we must believe that God can change anyone. Even that person at work that gets on your bad side, God can change them. Even an unbelieving spouse or wayward children, God can change them. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you get into this book and get this in your mind... It can transform your mind. I've told this story before. We had a young man at our Bible school that uh, 
got saved, I think, on a Thursday or a Friday, and he ended up in Bible school on Monday morning, and he had fried his brain on drugs. And I remember the first time he got up in chapel to introduce himself, he got up and he goes, I'm, I'm, Jonas, who am I? And he didn't even know who he was. Kind of, you know, his, his, and he said, and I'm from. But then over that semester, as he studied the word of God and he was in prayer and he was doing the, the Bible school courses and really concentrating on the word of God, this scripture came to life before us. He was transformed by the renewing of his mind from the word of God and he stood up at the end of that semester and preached a powerful sermon on the restoration that God can give to people. We can be changed. That person that you feel that joy inside when you hear bad news, they can be changed. But God needs us to pray for them. Be glad that God does not give up on us as quickly as we give up on ourselves and others. Let me ask you, how many of you were not a very nice person before you met Jesus? <laughs> now here's another question. How many of you were a really good person and you were relying on your goodness to make it. There's some of us that are that way. See, I grew up, I was the, the littlest kid in the family. And all of my relatives to this day when I go home still call me Little Stevie. And little Stevie could do nothing wrong because little Stevie was so cute. But what they didn't know was little Stevie was a reprobate. <laughs> Amen? And I was just good at hiding it. Some of us are good at hiding who we were. But everyone can be changed. Ask God to help you see people through his eyes. And then don't give up on them, but pray for them. I remember I almost got kicked out of a church in the U.S. one time when I was there preaching, and I started my message, and I prayed for the salvation of bin Laden. And I thought they were going to run me out of the church because they said, we don't, he doesn't need to get saved, he needs to be killed. And I said, well, that's not what my Bible says. You know, we need to pray for everybody. Because I, I could just imagine, just think, if he had gotten saved, he'd be like the Apostle Paul and start preaching the gospel. He could have turned the world upside down. Do you believe that everyone can be changed by the power of the gospel? Pray for them and don't give up. Another thing, believe God brings good out of any situation you're in. Romans 8.28 
And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, it doesn't say that God says everything is good because everything that happens to us is not good. You ever had anything bad happen? All of us have. But this scripture says that God can work it for good. The context of this scripture, Paul is talking about being formed into the image of Christ. It does not matter where you find yourself. It does not matter what circumstances you are in. God can use that to form you into the image of Christ. That's what it's talking about here. Everything that happens, God can use it to make us a little more like Jesus. Do you think everything that happened to Jesus was good? I don't think he would say being scourged, being nailed to the cross was good in the sense that it was pleasurable. It was good in the sense that it was what was needed to pay for our salvation. And every one of us is in here today because of that sacrifice that was made. God can use everything that happens to us to help form us into the image of Christ. So God can bring good out of any situation you're in. Don't misquote it and say everything that happens is good. It's not. But everything that happens to you should help you to become a little more like Jesus than before that thing happened. Another thing is believe the best in your Christian brothers and sisters. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 to 25. Now let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day coming. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. It's exciting when we come together in a gathering like this and we can stir up one another to love and to good works. God wants us to think the best about each other. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 to 14. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, 
which is in the bond of perfection. See, we have to choose to believe the best about each other. Now, I'll have to admit, sometimes I've believed the best about someone and been stabbed in the back. It happens. But I would rather err on the side of believing in someone and having them portray me than not trust anyone. Because I've met people that don't trust anybody because they've been hurt so many times. But God is able to take care of us. See, God can protect me and change them. Back a couple of times ago, you have to believe that anybody can be changed. We need to open ourselves up to God, put our hands in his hand, put our life in his hand, and believe the best about everyone that's in the body of Christ. If you tell me you are a believer, I take that at face value until you prove that you are not. But I know some people that are just the opposite. They won't believe or they won't trust that you're a believer till you prove that you are. If you tell me you're a follower of Christ, I'll believe you. Until you prove by your actions and by your works that you are not. See, we need to keep a tender heart toward God and toward his people, our brothers and our sisters. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter if they come from a church that's different from yours. If we are believers in Jesus Christ, then we need to think the best about one another. And then lastly, and we're going to get out of here early today. You'll have to wait for the kids because they have another half hour to go. <laughs> Believe your time is in God's hands. Your time is in God's hands. Psalm 31, 15. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. I was listening to a, a podcast not long ago, and a lady gave this testimony on the podcast. She said, my husband and I were eating at a restaurant not long ago. And she says, my husband got into a conversation with the waiter and he kept talking and talking and talking to this waiter. And I kept saying, let's go, I want to get home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And he kept talking to the waiter and it was later and later. And she says, I was getting frustrated and mad and upset with him. Let's go. And he said, finally, my husband gave in and we left. And she said, just as we got to the exit off the interstate to go to our housing area, there was a big pile-up wreck. And if we had left when I wanted to leave, we would have been in the middle of that accident. 
And she says, I learned something. Don't get frustrated. Just believe that God has the timing right. Many of you prayed for my trip to Africa a few weeks ago. Well, actually, it started off several months ago. I was supposed to have gone in May, and I took my passport to the Ghana embassy here and said, can I get a visa? Yes, no problem. Everything's cool. So I paid all my money, gave them all my paperwork, waited, 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 waited. Got a phone call. Can you come in? So I was happy I was going to go in and pick up my visa. It was about a week before I was due to fly. I had my tickets. Everything was set up. And they said, oh, um, because you're not a resident in Kuwait, we can't give you a visa from here. You have to send it to our embassy in America, and they will give you the visa. I said, well, how long does that take? Oh, 10 to 15 working days. I said, well, I fly in seven. It's going to take a couple to get it there. So I canceled the trip and said, okay, I'll do it in June or in July. So we set it up for the end of July. So four weeks beforehand, I sent my passport off to America, paid the money to have a courier hand carry it to the embassies, got all of the visas done, everything ready. Almost 15 days before I was supposed to fly. All they have to do now is courier it from the U.S. I mean, to Kuwait. No problem. I get stuff here all the time in a few days. I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And then I got a message from the courier service in the U.S. that said, oh, we can't send official um, documents. Do you want us to destroy it? Well, I got real nervous because that's my passport. Please don't destroy my passport. So I got on, a, on the phone and called them and said, well, we can do it another way. So they said, we have another office that can send this document. I said, we'll send it. They said, it's going to cost you an extra 25 KD, no problem. Well, by this time, I've changed my ticket now twice more. And my wife comes up to me and she goes, I just want to ask one question. Are you sure God wants you to go on this trip? <laughs> and I said, yes, I am sure. I know that I know this is one I've got to fight to the end. So I thought it's all good. I've got a week. Comes up two, three days later, I haven't heard anything so I called them up and I said, where's my passport? They said, oh, it's still in the office in America. I said, why? They said, oh, we're waiting for you to pay the extra 25 KD to our office in Kuwait. But nobody told me I had to go pay. Normally when you pick up the package, you pay. Well, we got it all done. So needless to say, I got the passport a few hours before I was supposed to fly. And I made the trip, and everything was wonderful. But I didn't really worry about it because I knew God would get me there when I needed to be there. And the people that needed to be there would be there. Because my life, my time is in his hand.
When things don't go the way you plan, don't get frustrated and mad at God because your life and your time is in His hand and God will cause it to happen in His timing. We need to trust God's timing and follow His leading. See, God has us in the palm of his hand. And God will never lead us astray. And his timing is always perfect. But there's one thing I don't really enjoy about God's timing. It's always perfect. It's never my time. See, I would much rather that I had gotten the passport weeks in advance and not have to pray and pray and pray and believe him and get it a few hours before time to go. I know I've talked to several of you, even leaving this summer, that it was a few days before you were due to fly and your passport was still with immigration and you were waiting on the renewal of your visa so that you could get it to fly. Amen? Well, just trust God. Your time is in His hand. I was talking to a man not long ago. I said, how long have you been in Kuwait? He said, oh, 35 years. I said, did you plan on staying this long? He said, no, I came on a one-year contract. Can any of you attest that your contracts have kind of been extended from time to time and maybe you're here a little longer than you thought you were going to be here? Well, just so you know, your pastor is selfish and I'm praying for all of you that all of your contracts get extended indefinitely so that you remain in Kuwait and part of CIC for a long time. No, I, I really don't do that, but I would like to. I pray for God's will to be done in your life, whatever that is and wherever that happens to be. But if it's in Kuwait, hallelujah, you have a home here. I want to encourage you this week and over the next few months to take time to read his word to find out what his promises are for you and then start believing them because he will always do what he says. You just have to believe and God can help your unbelief. We are called believers. Amen? And God wants us to be believers remember that God is too wise to make a mistake too powerful to fail and he loves us too much to hurt us amen would you stand and let's pray I'm going to throw a curveball here to the worship team can you guys come back up and let's sing that last song once again
Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word that you don't try to hide things, and it encourages me when I read that when your disciples on that first morning heard about the resurrection, they had trouble taking it in and believing everything that you had said. But Father, I thank you that as they pondered your word and as they looked into your word and they remembered the things that you had said, that they believed your word. Father, many times we're like that father of we're not seeing the things that we desire. And we say, Lord, I believe, but please help any unbelief in my life. And Father, we ask that you would help our unbelief today. If there's any area that we're struggling in, if there's people that we have problems with and we would like to hear bad news about them. Father, we ask that you would help us to pray for them and to believe good things for them. Father, we thank you that in the circumstances that we find ourselves in, when we have more than enough or when we don't have enough, that, Father, in all of those things, we can do whatever you have called us to do. It's by your strength and by your power that we are able to overcome. Father, I thank you that as we look over these next few weeks and meet a lot of new people at our workplace, that Father, you will help us to be a witness to them and to make them feel comfortable and at home here in Kuwait and even invite them to come with us to church. Father, we ask for your peace that passes all understanding to rule and reign in our hearts today. And we come to you and we thank you that we are believers and not unbelievers. Sometimes we have doubts, but Father, you can help us through those times of doubts. Let us put our hand in your hand and understand that our life is in your hands and that you are a good, good God. In Jesus' name, amen.